Hi, Dizzy. Hi, Weezy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Busy Living Sofa. Busy Living Sofa. Busy Living Sofa. Oh, my gosh. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, I realized this weekend that I still have this ism, which gives me fear. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, what, what, do, you, what do you mean specifically? Like, I just think that my brain, I think that alcohol for me, and I think for a lot of us, was just a symptom. And the reality is I have a crazy brain. I have a crazy brain that makes me think things that aren't always true and tells me things that aren't always true. Like the fear, I get fear about things that aren't even here yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we we talked about that on Friday morning at a meeting. We talked about that and just... It got brought up again, and I know we've said it, but that, you know, like, are we okay kind of thing that you just, you have, you know, in your brain, you think things are, I don't know, I take things personally. Um, I think that um, I do have fear. I do get, um, I don't know, unrealistic about about things. Um, but you said you had fear this weekend. What, what was that? I was just having fear, you know, I've been down in Florida and I'm having the greatest time. I love it. I've met all these really awesome people. I have had some really cool experiences and, you know, waking up next to a pool with blue skies all the time. The weather's always really nice. There's palm trees everywhere. And I have to go back north this weekend. And... I'm fearful of this weekend, you know, my oldest son's graduating. I have to get together with my ex-husband and all of his stuff. You know, it's all these, it's all these different personalities and all these different relationships that have not, you know, have not, they haven't been great relationships in a very long time. Hence, I'm divorced. And hence, I don't really talk to, I've never even met my husband's girlfriend. And now we have to all go together and be like, kumbaya, my love, and and it and it brings up anxiety and it brings up resentment and it gets me in my head and it makes me want to be you know I want to be the puppeteer I want to be the producer I want to make sure everything's going to go the way that I want it to go and yeah I you know when I I always tell people my advice is always uh you know no expectations equals no disappointment and you know, I can easily say that to people, and I just, I wonder how often I apply that to myself, you know, I mean, I try to, I try not to have any expectations, like you're talking about, you know, being with your ex-husband, meeting his, you know, girlfriend for the first time, and all that, I mean, you're projecting, you know, today, what what's going to happen this weekend, or or just, you know, being fearful of that when in fact there's nothing you can do about it. And I think that's what it comes down to. If you don't have the expectations then you don't have the disappointment or the, you know, the worry or the anxiety. 
And it's, but it, it comes in and it, it's like, and I want, and I can, I, like you were saying, you can tell other people this stuff and I can tell other people all the time, but it's like the shoe cobbler that doesn't have very nice shoes. It's like, I can definitely project that onto others on what would work best for them. But me using those anecdotes and, you know, doing what I say is like harder than it's hard. It just is. It's really difficult. And I believe that unless I talk about it with somebody else, if I don't like talk to you about it, I'll talk to my, you know, like one of my mentors that I have, or one of my spiritual advisors will call him, you know, I, then I will stay in my head and I'll play those tapes and they'll make me more and more and more agitated and more and more uncomfortable and more and more not at ease. I mean, it makes me, and if I, if I just hold it to myself, it's like I, I get sicker. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the things that I do is I, I try too hard to figure out where it comes from. Does it come from my alcoholic behavior? Does it come from my child of an alcoholic behavior? Does it come from just being just human? And, you know, I, I mean, I think I overanalyze it, trying to figure out the origin of it, which doesn't. I mean, it's great to know, but does it really change anything? I don't, I don't know. Well, it doesn't. And I think that that is one of the symptoms. That's why I think that, you know, alcoholism, addiction, all of it falls underneath the umbrella of mental health because I think that I definitely am crazy and that I do, you know, I, I keep having these thoughts and I, oh, and for some reason, they're not positive thoughts. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm yeah. so lucky. I get to go see my son graduate from college. I'm so lucky I get to do this. No, it's the opposite. Oh, it's dread. It's, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I have to do this. When it's really, truly a gift. Well, and I don't think, I, I think you still know it's a gift. I just think that, you know, there are certain components of it that you might be, fearful of or you know you're saying the word dread um but but i don't think it's the whole the whole picture um you know kind of magnify the the negative making it seem like it's it's everything you know but it's really not oh it's not and it's just but i hate to focus on the negative and i'm like inside of me it feels uncomfortable because i am such a born optimist like I'm an optimist. I like to look at things positively. Like this morning I got on my bike and I rode my bike to a meeting and I was at a port and rain and everything just looked clean and pretty and all the flowers were now because now the sun's out and like all the flowers were happy. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. So when I'm in the present moment, I'm really happy. It's when I go to future thinking and when I go to future thoughts is when I get uncomfortable. Well, and that's the very thing they say, you know, just it's never, I mean, it's like living one day at a time. Um, you know, they say that for a reason. So, so what do you do to not, to not project and not look into the future? You know, what, what do you do? Not just you in general and everybody. Well, and it was suggested to me, by a friend, my spiritual advisor, actually, that I, to write down, like, a fear inventory. And for the people that are listening, like, what is a fear inventory? Like, well, it's kind of like when you take inventory at a store. Like, how many of this do you have? How many of that stuff? 
So I write down what I'm fearful of. And so when I write that down and I write down all the fears on paper and then I read them off to my spiritual advisor or to a friend or whatever, my husband, whoever it is that I can talk to, when I write them down and I actually, they come out of my mouth, Mm -hmm. they don't seem as scary. Yeah, you've always done that and you've always had success with that. I, I, I haven't, not because I don't believe that it, um, that it's helpful. Um, I just haven't and I, and I should. And every time you talk about that, I always say I'm going to, but this time I really want to. Well, do it and call me and yeah. tell me about it. You know, I'm going to, um, and then I have a resentment, you know, and I'm not going to talk about who it's towards because I just don't want to do that. But, you know, I have a resentment and I need to write down why I'm resentful and what it brings up in me. I swear, writing, journaling, you know, I all the people that are out there that do self-help books talk about how it's, it really is, it helps. And I think it does. Yeah, because, well, and I was just talking about this the other day, the resentment, because I was, I was talking about um, family and friends that, that drank, um, in, in my opinion, drank as much as me. Maybe they, you know, I, I mean, I think I, I preface it by saying that, you know, maybe I was the worst of the drinkers. You know, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't drink the same or maybe I talked about it or maybe, you know, maybe I would just put myself out there when I was loaded so that I was, I was more visible. I don't, I, whatever the case is, I know that the reason why it didn't work years ago when I tried to get sober and went into rehab was because of all that resentment. I mean, the resentment that I had was, it, it was, it, it, it took over me. Um, there was no chance at me getting sober with the amount of resentment that I had. It just was never going to happen. Um, it wasn't until I lifted that and, and lifted it for a reason, which was I needed to worry about me. I mean, to, to sit there and, and try to try to judge everybody around you being uh, as much of a partier, much of a drinker, much of a blackout drinker, but you know, all those things like it, there's, there's there's really no point to it and i consumed myself with those that resentment towards other people like why is it why is why is the magnifying glass on me why is everybody looking at me you know you all drink you're not totally responsible all the time you drink and get behind a wheel you know all that stuff but it it was consuming oh Um, for sure and it ruins your day, and you carry it around. At least I do when I have a resentment. I, like, carry it around like a badge of honor or, like, it's on my back, and it just weighs me down, you know? It's just not – it just brings you so down, don't you think? It does, but it also it also justified my own drinking to continue to drink. It justified it. So what these people are all drinking, and they're not admitting they have a problem – or they drink too much. Um, why should I stop? I mean, really, why should I stop? Um, I should stop because I couldn't handle it, and it didn't it didn't agree with me, and I didn't like who I was when I drank. So for those reasons, those reasons only should I stop drinking. But it it, it wasn't, you know. But I allowed all these other factors to weigh in. 
to the bottom line and the, the and that prevented me from from getting sober it just it did for years uh, it wasn't until that lifted and I realized that it doesn't change anything. Okay, so you might drink too much or this person might drink too much, but the only person I really have to worry about is me. Exactly. I know, but we sit there and we spend so much time. And I think that that, and some of those resentments do not go away. It would, you know, 13 years of recovery. I have friends with 30 years of recovery that still have these, you know, that these things still pop up. And that's where I have to, like, constantly be working some sort of program, whatever it may be, if somebody's out there listening, whatever you're doing. You know, it's just like I have to talk to somebody about it. I've got to work on it. I've got to work on it. I've got to get better. I don't want to carry this stuff around. I just, I want to be in a happier space each day, right? Yeah, and, and, and like you're saying, with the amount of sobriety you have compared to me, compared to somebody else who only has, you know, 20 days compared to somebody that has 20 years. I mean, it's the same issues come up, you know, and that's why it's so important to have some type of program, whatever that may be, but to have that so that you have that support to know that you're not alone. Exactly. And sometimes I know that people have the support of a loved one, a best friend, someone that they can be completely honest with. And then some people come into the 12, go into 12 step rooms, which is what works for me. And it works for you, but you know, there has to be something that you can feel comfortable with, with being honest with yourself and honest with that person. Yes. And someone that doesn't judge you because no one wants to be judged. No, and I, and I mean, I, I make a, a point. I, I, I feel like in, in this time around with my sobriety, I, I do not judge. And I make it a point to tell people that. And I really don't. No. And I don't want to, and I don't want to be judged. No. And you know, even hard in the dating world, you know, being single, you know, when do you tell somebody that you're in recovery? Um, you know, without feeling like, oh gosh, they have to know me, who I am, what I'm about, and then I can tell them because it's at that point that they probably won't judge me as much if they know me now as a person. But to come right out of the gate and say, oh, by the way, I'm, you know, I'm recovering, I don't drink, um, you know, I don't know, I just, I, I don't really want to do it. And it's a shame. But it's, um, but, you know, you're going to get more and more comfortable with it, don't you think? Yeah. No, and I do. I mean, I had someone that I told right right away. Um, for some reason, I just felt comfortable saying it. Um, and it was it was really worth saying it so so quickly because it was it was really well received and it was um, and it made me feel really good that there was there was no judgment whatsoever. Um, and it was actually kind of a positive thing. You know, and here I was putting, investing all this time and wondering how it's going to be received and what this person's going to be thinking and all this stuff, you know, for nothing. I mean, it's the, the tapes that run through our heads are crazy. And, you know, if, and now I'm talking about this because it's making me feel better already because of what, how I was feeling, you know, earlier today and yesterday. You know, I will tell you a crazy story. 
And um, I don't think my stepdaughter listens to this. I'm almost positive she doesn't. So I'm going to tell you this story. So, um, you know, I haven't had the greatest relationship with my stepdaughter, and it's been hard. It's been really, really hard. And, um, you know, it was it was two years ago, I think, and it was parents' weekend, and I was fretting over it for a month. What am I going to do? Where am I going to sit? What am I going to wear? What is she going to say to me? Then what am I going to say to her? And I went back and forth and back and forth in my head trying to plan out how it was going to go down. Well, a hurricane came, and there was no parents' weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's fear, and it's just, fears aren't, fear isn't fact. And, you know, I think the people that are out there that are battling this, I totally get it. We all have fears, and I know people have some fears that are a lot scarier than the fears I'm talking about. And I know that people are out there that are listening that are having fears over diagnoses that they've received that aren't great, right? I mean, they've received, you know, like they've got to go get surgery and then they have to go get this, you know, go get chemotherapy and then go do this and then go do that. And that's really scary, right? Yeah. Oh, let me just back up for a second and just say that, that when I said that was funny, um, of course, I'm not speaking of the hurricane. It's just funny that you spent a, a whole month fretting over something that didn't even happen. And that's kind of what happened to a lot of us. I mean, it happens to me often. Um, I put invest all this time in something that I never had to worry about to begin with. Right? Yeah. And then when yeah. something big happens that you do have to worry about, right, that mm-hmm. is scary. You know, it hasn't happened to me personally, but it's happened to some dear friends of mine that have gotten, you know, diagnoses that are really scary. And I think that just trusting in a plan, that God has a plan, really at least for my dear friend, Will, you know, who's no longer here, you know, he, it was hard, right? It was really hard, but he, his faith grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Yeah. Because sometimes that can take you in a different direction that, you know, that why, that, you know, comes up. Why, why, how could there be, you know, how can I have faith if, if this is happening to me or, you know, but, but I, um, you know, since I got sober, I think my faith has, has tripled. Um, and I do look at it that way now, you know, it doesn't mean that every, that everything is always going to be great and that I'm never going to, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to avoid all like hardships and, and sadness and all that. I mean, it's still going to come my way for sure. Um, it's just how I deal with it and how I, that, that has changed. And I think you just said, and what you just said, it's like how you cope with it has changed. You're not reaching for the bottle anymore to mask all the feelings. You're feeling them. Mm-hmm. And they don't always feel great. No, they don't. But gosh, you know, it's some. It's so nice to have the clarity um, that when you go through something tragic or or just, you know, just sad or depressing or whatever the case may be, I mean, to, to go through it with 
with a clear mind and clarity and get to the other side of it, you know, um, regardless of the outcome, you know, it's just nice to go through it clear minded. And, and that's a, that's a blessing. That is the blessing. And it's being, you know, being present in our lives is the gift. And when I was drinking, and then I want you to talk about when you were drinking, but we didn't feel anything. Yeah. I mean, we want to feel it now because I want to get, I want to get through it naturally. I want to get through it in a healthy way. And the only way to do that is to, you know, accept it. You're not accepting it if you're drinking over it. You're not, you know, it's not, it, 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 it kind of puts you in a holding pattern, you know? Yeah. If you continue to drink and drink and drink and drink. I mean, it is, um, it is just like, it's not feeling the, it's not feeling the facts that we're I'm feeling the feelings that we're feeling and getting through those feelings and walking through it. It's like walking through it. It's like that book I used to read my kids when they were little and it was like, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You've got to go through it. And it's like walking through it can be scary, but to be able to admit, like to say to you, gosh, Louise, I'm scared. I know I shouldn't be scared. And Louise, I have this resentment and I'm just going to tell you about it. And God, it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. But if we hold it in and we don't share it with somebody, then it takes, at least with my alcoholic brain, it goes to this place that I never even thought could even, it makes this, as they say, a little mount, a little, little thing became a huge mountain, right? Right. Well, and you know, too, you know, the, the difference is, is that, you know, for people that are alcoholics, you know, you know, we just can't drink. It doesn't, it doesn't work for us. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's the allergy. It's not an option. Right. You know, it's not an option, but, you know, but, but alcoholic or not, someone that drinks, you know, and doesn't have a problem, you know, we all kind of come from the same place, which is, you know, you you hear people that don't have a problem saying the same thing that we said, which is, you know, after a long day, a hard, bad day, a horrific day, it's always, you know, let's go have a drink. Oh my God, do I need a cocktail after this day? You know, and those those are out of the the mouth of people that that don't have a problem that aren't like myself or you. You know, so it, it is always that you know we just typically want to take that edge off to kind of just calm ourselves down, and that was what worked for me. It worked for me to to do that except my problem was I I didn't stop at one drink which normal people will do one or two drinks and then they go home and finish their night but you know it wasn't it was you know 10 drinks and then I would black out you know it just it wasn't the same (laughs) it was like now I really have some problems yeah you know, and that's what we want to say to the people that are listening. Like, please, if you have this problem, like, it's so, it's like, alcohol just makes it so much worse. And it can't make anything better. It just makes it worse. And we sit here and we think, oh, my gosh, have a drink, have another. I mean, for me, it was like, I, I just, I assimilated everything with, um, you know, with drinking. And it's kind of funny, this past, yesterday I went to this, bar that's like on the way from the keys back up to you know the mainland of florida and it was on the side of the road and it was like 
so cool. And I walked in and I thought to myself, this is the place I would have had some real fun in. I mean, there was a band and you could get conch fritters and it was sitting on the water. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is where I would have had a million drinks. I was sitting on stage with the band. I would have been insane. But instead, I had my ice water, I had my conch fritters, I had french fries, and it was so fun. It was right. so fun. And I remember yeah, every and, and bit it, of it. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, that's huge. And, and, you know, even, even when, and I've mentioned this before, you know, when I, when I got out of rehab and I knew that my life was going to look a whole lot different and the biggest fear that I had was not having my children for a week at a time, you know, I mean, what, who, who can do that just right out of rehab and then go and, and be by yourself for a week. Nobody can see you. Nobody can watch you. Nobody, you know, that kind of thing. But once you get, past those moments or those days or those weeks and you do it sober and you realize that the outcome is you're stronger for it you know then then you can then the next time it becomes just a little bit easier and then the next time after that it becomes a little bit easier and then eventually it becomes just really your new normal oh it's like Oh, and it's change, and change is hard, and change, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Change is the biggest, that's the hardest thing, I think, of the whole thing. It's doing things differently. Yeah. That's the hardest part. And it's not, and it's like saying to people you work with when they're like, let's get a drink after work, and you say, you know what, I can't, sorry, I can't do that, or whatever, whatever your excuse is. But then once you get used to saying it, then you own it. It's like once you've already told somebody that you met on, you know, a person that you went on a date with, oh, guess what? I don't drink anymore. And you tell them whatever reason it is, and if you say you've been drinking from, or, you know, you're allergic to it, or whatever it is, you say to the person, once you do it the first time, it just gets easier. It's just that first time is when it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Really, that is the truth. It, and then when you realize that it isn't such a big deal that, I mean, I go out with my friends now, I have so much fun and, and I'm, I'm past that point where I don't go and think, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be at a bar. I just went to happy hour last week and I had a blast. I didn't even think about drinking. I didn't want to drink. As a matter of fact, I, I shouldn't say I didn't think about it. I did think about it. I thought about the fact that I didn't want to drink it. It didn't how- smell good. It didn't, it didn't look good. You know, it, it just didn't. Things what are so much better that. with that. Mm-hmm. It's so much it better. But it's not perfect. And I want everybody to know that. It's just we learn how to deal with things in a different way. is isn't though we're drinking our sorrows away. And no matter what happens, we don't drink. It's just it's, no matter what happens. But we find other coping mechanisms. And I'm going to go back to writing it down. I'm going to go back to talking about it. I'm going to, like, it's bring it, it's kind of like bringing it out of the darkness and out of the shadows and into the light. And when you do that, it's not as scary. Yeah. And, and even just that one, that first time, like I, I, it wasn't that long ago that, that I had gone to my first, you know, dinner party where, you know, I was worried and, and, um, 
well, actually, that was the time that I I wasn't like I went over there confident that it wasn't I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it. I wasn't going to have to tell people that I didn't drink. I mean, if they just said, you know, would you like something? No, like the rest of the people that don't drink for whatever reason, you know. And I just realized it was it was not a big deal, and I felt so much better that night. And then it just, you know, the next time it gets easier. You just have to give it, you know, the time, and 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 once you see the results, it's it's. You almost look forward to doing it again. Because you just, it's like so much richer. You know, I feel like when I think back to my times of when I was drinking and how, you know, it was dramatic and it was insane and it was, it was just, it's everything had to take. I mean, it's just everything seemed like so much more than what it really was. You know what I mean? And it was just an experience. And like, this is going to be the first time I have a child graduating from college. I am so proud of him. And you know what? It isn't about me, and it's not about my ex-husband. It's not about my ex-husband's girlfriend. And sitting here talking about it today, you've helped me realize that, that it's not about that. It's about Kent. It's about Kent graduating mm-hmm. and doing it in four years, which I am so proud of him. I didn't do it in four years, let me tell you. You did it in four years, though, didn't you? Yeah, well, I have no idea how, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, see how it just, it, it doesn't take long to change your thoughts, to change the way you're thinking. You know, just talking about it goes back to what we say, you know, just having that support and talking to somebody, you know, can change the way you look at it. And it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take weeks or hours. It can It can take, you know... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, not even that. It's just not being alone. And, you know, I feel so grateful to have a real friend. Like, I, you're my real friend, and I can be real with you. I have real conversations with you. And I swear, like, the older I get, the longer I stay sober, I want to have more real relationships than I want to have the relationship that with the person that's like, hi, how are you? And you're like, you don't care how I am. <laughs> I never talk to you. I don't see you. I don't. You want to be the part of my life. Like, I, I want to have real deep relationships with people. It's just that's where I am in my life, you know? I just am. I'm like, I'm ready to be real rather than be, okay, what kind of jeans are you wearing? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're talking to the right person on that. That's why I, that's why I can't even go on any <laughs> social media. <laughs> that's why I've never been on Facebook. Um, you know, but that's just me. Um, no, but yeah, I want to just say this. It. Can I tell you something? I, and I'm just, this is just an end note. I'm going to, and this won't take long, but you know, my, JF sent me, my husband sent me an article that was from the Wall Street. No, it was from Blooming. It was from, um, what is he on all the time? Bloomberg. And it was a Bloomberg editorial article, opinion piece actually, about Facebook and about social media. And I want to just point this out to the listeners about her to know that the co-founder of Facebook, for one, thinks that it's evil. He had no idea what's going to get to the place where it is today. Number two, they're comparing Facebook to Philip Morris in terms of cigarettes because it's addictive. Facebook is as addictive as tobacco is, as alcohol yeah. is. Number three, he will not let his kids go on Facebook. If that doesn't tell you something, I 
am like, if I didn't have to do, if I wasn't doing all my busy living sober stuff, I totally wouldn't be on there anymore. I just think that it is, you know, if somebody wants to know how I am, they're going to pick up the phone and call me. They're not going to go on Facebook and like it. And I need to like read my, like read this myself. Like I literally, I mean, I was talking to Jeff about it this weekend. I'm like, I've got to get off this stuff personally. I'm going to keep doing it for busy living sober, but my personal stuff's coming down. Um, I'm going to keep sending out inspirational stuff, but I just, but my personal stuff, I don't think anybody really cares, you know, if I go to the beach or I don't go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I know that there's so much good that comes from it, you know, and I get it. I get the whole thing. I, you know, I'm not judging it. I just know for myself, it's not a good thing. Well, you know, as this guy pointed out in this article again last week, and I'm going to put, I'm going to put a link on my, on this, on our podcast to this, but um, I want you to read it. But um, the guy even mentions how he was at a soccer game for one of his kids or some sporting event for one of his children. This is the co-founder of of Facebook. And he's like, I was sitting there like going and scanning through, like scrolling through what was on Instagram or Facebook. And I totally missed my kids scoring a goal because I was there paying attention to something that didn't even have anything to do with me. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's all about perspective, isn't it? It is. Well, thanks for again for being awesome and talking to me today. Um, you know what? Next week I'm going to be live with you. We're going to meet on Tuesday and we're going to record this live. So probably won't be up everybody until late in the afternoon or when Louise gets off work. So we'll probably won't be up. And for some of you might not even get it till Wednesday or a Tuesday night, but, um, if anybody has any topics they'd like us to, to discuss, please reach out to us at Busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at Busy Living Sober. I hope everyone has a blessed and safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. We're coming up to Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, uh, keep getting busy living sober. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you, too.